have, I think we got our title slide coming up here. What we're going to do, is, you can turn that down just a little bit, Josh, if that's okay. Unknown essentials. All right, unknown essentials. We're going to be staying in Acts. So you can turn to Acts. Acts 18 is where we're going to be. It's kind of at the bottom. You can't really see there. We're going to be in Acts 18. So that's New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's going to be after that. Unknown essentials is what we'll be talking about because there are some core, critical, foundational things that are happening early on in the faith, which I think are happening now, that like, unfortunately, they didn't know about it and they were really important. But before we get into that, what I wanted to do was just tie it to 2011, 2011 a little bit and just get our mind thinking about you know, things that are essential in life and things that we need to know. And so I made a little bit of a list of different things. And so as we get into it, you know, we'll start kind of like certainly an essential thing in life that you need to know and it's very important and you want to share with your kids and you want to make sure you're diligent about is you want to wash your hands. You have to wash your hands. That's an essential part of life, right? Not that serious, but it's essential, okay? Another one, maybe that's not that important. If you're going out to eat, hanging out, having a good time, let's say your food isn't exactly how you ordered it or it came a little bit late, I think you probably know by now, you probably want to try and be as nice to your waiter as waitress as possible because you're not quite sure what's happening to your food once it gets in the kitchen and it comes back out to you. So another essential skill in life that you might want to possess. Okay? But all those are kind of like things that are more serious. Relationships. Right? That is one core thing in life. Relationships and life, what we build with other people, that is a core essential. And realizing that we can't do this life on our own, that we actually need other people, and that this world is bigger than we are, that is something that is core that we need to know and that needs to be established. Something that I'm going to share with my little guy that's coming along soon. And something that, you know, as a teacher, I see that there's just not much of appreciation for that. Sometimes I think the world just revolves right around them. And so taking the time to actually go out and maybe help somebody else beyond them, even though it might cost them a little bit, it's kind of a foreign idea. Working hard. right? Just doing the best that you can all the time. Even when it might not even get recognized. That's one that's really where 15 and 16 and 17 year olds. They like to work really hard when people are watching and they can get rewarded, especially rewarded in front of a group of people. You know, Then they turn up a couple of notches. Another essential thing in life I think we all would agree on is that you want to be healthy. You want to strive to be as healthy as you possibly can. Right? You want to try and work out, try and eat right, be as long as you can for your family, uh, and instill some good healthy habits you know, within your kids. One more last essential thing, but probably in life that is definitely an essential, sometimes unknown with the young guys, this whole thing of responsibility and consequences. You know, if you messed up kind of like it's your thing and you should really own up to it. And it's really easy to come as soon as it comes on you and you realize maybe you made a mistake or someone maybe called you out. It's really easy to have the knee-jerk reaction of the finger going here, the finger going there, to anywhere other than right here. Right? So, core essentials. And those are just practical things in life that we all know and that we've all heard of and that we all try and keep within our own lives. And it requires some discipline and some effort. But as far as faith is concerned, we're going to look at Paul today 
coming across a group of guys that were sort of on their way in religion and spirituality and Christianity, but there were some core critical things they really didn't know. And it affected how useful they were by God. So we're going to take a look at some of that today. So if you, hopefully you had a chance to uh, turn um, Acts 19. I'm sorry, I wrote the wrong one up there. Acts 19, so go to 19, sorry. I typed it wrong on there. See, I'm lying to you, I'm typing wrong, I'm sending you all over the place. Acts 19 is where we want to be. Alright, so we'll read through it and then we'll kind of talk a little bit here. So it says, while Apollos, right, we talked about Apollos last time. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So he's going to show back up at Ephesus where he was last time. It says, there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Interesting question. Why would Paul ask that? I don't know, we'll get back to it. It says, they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, and what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. So Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. Alright? So... Let's take a look at a couple things here. We start off with Apollos. Heads off to Corinth. We talked a little bit last time about Apollos. And if you missed that, you might want to listen online. The pretty interesting guy with a pretty amazing story. And God really uses the guy, this guy so much that people even kind of misread it a little bit because they're thinking that, oh, I belong to the Christianity of like Apollos. And then other people are like, I belong to the Christianity of Paul. And so they're like, kind of getting divided. And so that's why Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, they told him, hey, listen, we're not like different people. We're all on the same team here. You just got to make sure, you know, we're all part of that same church, the church with the big C that we've talked about before. So Paul takes off to Corinth. Paul shows up again at Ephesus. And I think on the next slide where we got a picture of Ephesus right back then. That was the big thing. That was an emphasis. That would, that's what drew people there. That was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Diana or the Temple of Artemis. And that's where people came and they flocked because it was enormous. Around 450 feet long, 250 feet wide, 100 plus columns. I mean, the thing was just huge. And within that, unfortunately, a lot of unholy business took place and they're worshiping some crazy looking idol that is there and they just, and in their sense of worshiping, you know, they have um, temple prostitutes and it's just a really sad scene, a really sad situation. And so Paul was already there previously and now he's coming back because last time he was there, he told them, he said, listen, I kind of have to go now and go to the other places where I was. I hope I can come back to you and if it's God's will, I'll be back. And fortunate, it was God's will. We talked last time that Paul spent a lot of time with these guys in Ephesus. It's been like three years. The most time he spent, really out of anybody else. He spent a lot of time there. And then he finds some disciples as he's walking through. For whatever reason, he just comes out and asks this question, which is kind of, kind of a weird question. I mean, when was the last time you were just like, 
saw some friends and just said, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I mean, it's just sort of a really pointed question. Seems to be random. Seems to come out of nowhere. So yes, and then they said no, and they said, so he says, okay, then how did you get baptized? So we got a couple different baptisms going on here. We'll talk more about that. So they said, well, we were baptized by John. And he's like, well, that's part of the story. Right? And so we'll get back to this unknown essentials. This is kind of playing in now. We were baptized by John, and Paul's like, well, that's part of it, but you didn't really get the whole thing. Like, there's a much bigger, better part that really completes all of it. I want to make sure you get this. And so he explains it to them. Then they're baptized in the name of Jesus, and then Paul, like, lays hands on them. And then it says they start talking in tongues and prophesying and just... Typical ordinary day in the life of Paul, apparently. Not a typical ordinary day in the life of me, but... Very interesting. So here's what we're going to do. I think this is probably the easiest way to go about it and probably the most helpful way. What I did is tried to summarize sort of just the big theme, the big idea, just what can we take away. If you forget everything that happens this morning, maybe, hopefully, you remember this one sentence. And we'll get into the sentence in a minute and we'll dissect it. But you'll need to know the one sentence. And so if you don't have a pen... You'll, probably need, you'll need a pen to write it down. Uh, there's some in the back. And so if you need one, just raise your hand and maybe Sal will grab them for you. And so a few people need a pen. So here we go. So here's going to be our sentence. And it might not make sense at first, but I promise and I hope by the end that it will make a little bit more sense and it will connect and it will kind of draw everything together and also, believe it or not, it also has to tie in to Independence Day. So, pretty interesting. So here we, here we go. Here's our sentence. So it says, Clarity about Christ's finished work can secure our promise of freedom and power. So we'll go through it again. Clarity about Christ's finished work can secure our promise of freedom and and power. And so what we'll do, right, we'll do, we'll, as far as teaching goes and retention methods, we'll even say it together. We're going to make sure we get at least one sentence today out of Sunday morning. We're make sure we at least get that part. And so what we'll do is, so you'll repeat. So let's say the first part together and then we'll say the second part after the comma. So it says, clarity about Christ's finished work can secure our promise of freedom and power. We'll go one more time. Clarity about Christ's finished work can secure our promise of freedom and power. All right, close your eyes. Close your eyes. There's peekers already. Close your eyes. Now see if you can say it to yourself. Go ahead. I'll give you like 10 seconds. I'll know who's cheating right away too. And when you think you've given it a really good shot, then look up and see how close you are. Right? Clarity about Christ's finished work can secure our promise of freedom and power. So, what is that saying? What, so great. We get to memorize something, but what are we going to do with it? Alright. So let's see what we're going to do with it. What we're going to do is we're going to break it down just a little bit. Clarity. We've got to get this part figured out. 
Because here's what happens. So Paul meets these guys, and he asks them this really pointed question. Seems kind of random. The idea is that he sees these guys, and for whatever reason, he has a sense or has a feeling that maybe these guys might be believers in Jesus Christ, but it seems really vague, and it's just kind of hard to read and hard to tell. Maybe you've run into some people like this, or maybe at times you've been guilty of it. Or it's just hard. Maybe, I think, I don't know, maybe they have like some Christian maybe kind of stuff about them. It seems like, it, you know, maybe they're, they're kind of nice. They seem patient or they seem like they want to be honest or I don't know. And so Paul asks him, he just says, you know, listen, it seems like you're kind of in this thing. And so he asks a pointed question, really wants to get to the heart of this thing. You know, have you received the Holy Spirit? And so this vagueness issue and sort of this unknown part Paul really wants to get to the heart of. And I also have to believe as we read that that really Paul was just really kind of led by God and the Spirit was just kind of leading his questioning and that prompting. And of course, that's our prayer and that's what we want God to do with us when we come in contact with people. And when we're talking with them, we're hoping that God like guides our conversation and our words to, to places where it needs to go. Because who knows, on some ordinary day with whoever we might talk to, where God might bring that. Who knows? And hopefully, right, we're ready. Hopefully we're ready. So let's get a little bit of clarity. So first thing is, he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? I want to make sure we're all good with the topic as far as the Holy Spirit goes, right? We started in this book in Acts. It's when the Holy Spirit came down. Who is the Holy Spirit? Like, what is this stuff? Well, believe it or not, I say he, because it actually is a pronoun, which we'll get to in a minute, but he has been in the Bible really throughout the whole thing. From the second verse of the Bible in Genesis, he's right there, right through the whole Bible. And when you read through it, and you see certain passages of the Old Testament, New Testament, you see these different ways where the Spirit of God was there and how he worked. And just about every single time, something supernatural is also coming with him. And so usually throughout the Bible you'll see he's represented by symbols of oil. When they would ordain the priests, they would have oil running down over them and they would say that was representing the Holy Spirit, kind of cleansing them and preparing them for ministry. He'd be represented by uh, water, fire, or like a dove, right? Or a Calvary Chapel. In most Calvary Chapels they have that sign or that logo you know, of a dove. And so when John baptized Jesus and Jesus came out of the water, right, it says he descended like a dove upon him. So he had these different symbols and things in the Word about the Holy Spirit. And so again, it's a he. Believe it or not, it's an actual person. And so when we pray, a lot of times, it's actually probably a good thing to say Holy Spirit and address Him as a person and really pray to him because he's really the one that's here around and among us and doing all the work and so this is an interesting person he loves us right? he has feelings we can hurt him right we could grieve him says in the Bible he speaks to us we'll find multiple verses where he speaks to us where he guides us and he comforts us and Jesus told him Jesus told his disciples, wait for the Comforter. That's like actually the Holy Spirit's name that Jesus referred to him as was the Comforter. He actually comforts us and comes alongside us. And so the Holy Spirit, this is a huge, extremely important part of the thing that we call the Trinity. 
And so Paul really wants to make sure that these guys get this because if we put ourselves, right? We're always trying to put ourselves in their sandals, right? So if we put ourselves in their sandals and they've never even heard of this, all they know is they just know about John the Baptist and being baptized like in a river by John. All this other stuff is like, what, what, what is this stuff? And Paul wants to make sure that they get it so they get the whole story. And if you remember from last week, this was Apollo's same problem. All he knew was John the Baptist and the baptism of repentance. Why is he so important? We'll get to that part later on. So he addresses this issue as far as the Holy Spirit. right? So we want to get clarity on that stuff. Does anybody remember the phrase again already? Did we already forget? Clarity. We'll say it together. Ready? Clarity about Christ's finished work. Yes, can secure our promise of freedom and power, right? So we're getting back to that. So we're trying to fix that clarity part. So it's coming a little bit more clear, a little bit more into focus. That's supposed to be like my telescope, like focus. Supposed to be coming a little bit more into focus as far as the Holy Spirit dynamic. But then we also have this dynamic we didn't talk about yet, which we're going to talk about right now. John and this baptism of repentance. And this is an important part. Basically, who was John the Baptist? What was he saying? Here's what he said, basically. Essentially, this was his message. And this is what these guys knew. And this is all that Apollos knew. He says, I baptize baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. Whose sandals, I I can't even carry the guy's shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so this was John's message. This is what he was talking about. And this is all that these guys knew. And this is all that really that a lot of Jewish people really knew at this point in time. Being baptized for repentance. And also John the Baptist used, remember he addressed the crowds and he was there and he was the guy that was out there eating the honey and the locusts and kind of a weird guy probably, you know, just kind of an outcast. But he would say, you know, it's important to be generous to your neighbor. And then he talked to the tax collectors, don't collect too much. And he talked to the soldiers and be like, you know, don't extort money, be content with your pay. And so he's telling them, you know, kind of change your life. Have the important things there and set up and, and turn away from the way you kind of used to live. And so this issue of repentance, it's not really a word that we really use a lot. You know? So it's going to be really important for us just to get a good grasp as far as what this whole apprentice thing was all about because this is really a core thing for these 12 guys he came in contact with. So as far as repentance goes, I think of the next slide. It shows us a little bit here. Repentance versus remorse. Here's the bottom line thing with as far as being repentful or remorseful like what's the difference is there a difference there definitely is a difference remorseful is just more so you're kind of sorry you got caught and uh, you know I can think of at least personally in my own in my own marriage I I can I've I've experienced repentance and remorse so when I use the phrase geez if I'd known I would have done that or if it would have worked out that way or if you would have said that I wouldn't have done that I'm not really repenting in that case. I'm just sorry that it came out that way and what it led to. Like, I'm just remorseful about that. I'm not really repenting to the point where, geez, I'm really sorry I did it. And then now I'm actually trying to make some actions take place so I don't do it again. 
Right? There's a difference. And so the difference is changing of our minds and conscious of the wrong view you had previously. I mean, that's really repentance. I mean, and that's like a big thing. I'm actually changing the way I was thinking before. And, and now, like, I'm realizing, oh my gosh, like the way I was thinking and doing that before, that, that wasn't right. That wasn't really what I intended and what I wanted to do. And so repentance also brings along, wrote some things down here, grief and sorrow. Like it's just anger, it's just inside of you because of the sin. Because now you're seeing it for what it is. You just have grief and sorrow, but you have anguish. And you feel like polluted just by like the sin and the stuff. Because now you're seeing it for what it was and like what you used to do. And you're just like, oh man, I just... It's polluting like what God had in store and what He had in place. And I don't want that. And what it does, it leads to a sense of longing and determination to get, just get yourself free of that. Because when you feel like you're being polluted by something and when it's just, it grieves you and it bothers you and you realize that's not the way you should go, you're longing for the other side. And you're like, man, I want, I, I want to be living that way. I should be focusing on those things. And it should cause that reaction. Otherwise, it's just you're just being remorseful. You're just sorry that you know, something's not really working out for you. But true repentance brings the other side. So here's a good quote that I read this past week. It says, When men and women repent, they have an entirely new mind on this relationship, meaning us and God, on life itself, and the whole purpose of life and how it should be lived. I thought that was a pretty good definition as far as repentance goes. Like, all of that taking place. And sometimes, happens right in a second, in a moment, just got this feeling, it's just, you just see things for how it is, God just kind of overwhelms you, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time to let that set in as a little bit more of a process. But again, that quote, when men and women repent, they have an entirely new mind on this relationship between us and God, life itself, and the whole purpose of life and how it should be lived. So it's interesting. So this whole thing that was going on with John the Baptist is he was really there just telling everybody, this is the way, you guys got, have gotten into a bad mold, into a bad system. You're missing the point. You think by like knowing more of the actual scriptures, you think by celebrating your feasts and your holidays, like you're really doing the right thing. No, like that's not it. God wants your heart right before Him and those right actions should follow. So you should be generous. Right? You shouldn't take more money than uh, you know you should. You shouldn't be extorting people. And that was His message. And so He was really just preparing the way for Christ coming in. And on the next slide, we see that John's baptism was really just looking forward to Christ because that's the first part of when we come to know Christ. We just repent. We see it for what it is. And be like, that is a holy God. And so then you read something like Isaiah and he realizes he's in the presence of God and he goes, oh, I am a man of unclean lips. Like, I am in a whole other place I should not be in right now and just realizing that. That's the first step to get in there. And then what we find is that the Christian or Christ baptism or the baptism that we're going to do and that we're reading about actually looks back to the work of Christ because it's already been done. And these guys didn't know that. They didn't know. They only had the first arrow going left. That's all that they had. They didn't have the other one coming back. And so here they are probably thinking, okay, I've got to try and do this better. I've got to try and do that better. 
Uh, I don't know if like all my sins ever really get forgiven. I don't know if I ever really have like a really changed life. I don't know if there'll ever really be any power there. Like none of that stuff. They just it was like a baptism representing that they just need to change. That's all Apollos had. That's all these guys had. They didn't have the whole story. Unknown essentials, right? They didn't have it. And so really his baptism, that sign of getting dunked by John the Baptist, when you got dunked by him, that was just a sign saying, you know what? I'm turning from this life and from the things that grieve God and that hurt Him and that pollute me and I'm going to another life. So then the question becomes, what kind of life? And Paul wants to make sure that these guys get that part. Because they got the first part, but they don't really have the other part. Another quote that I thought that was pretty good this week that kind of described this was that this, by this guy Matthew Henry. He says, This baptism, John's baptism, was the porch you pass through, not the house that you rest in. Right? John's baptism was just kind of the porch that you pass through, spend some time in, but the house that you rest in, that's the baptism in Jesus Christ, the baptism by the Holy Spirit. So do we still have that sentence down or what? So should we go all together again? So we'll go clarity about Christ's finished work can secure us for our promise of freedom and power. Right? We've got to make sure we got that one. We got that one. So we got the clarity going through. Christ's finished work we just talked about based on the baptism. Now we're going to look at can't secure our uh, promise of freedom and power. So what was this promise? There's a promise involved here. And that's what Paul wanted them to get. Because remember, all they had was just John's baptism. There's a bigger promise that finished this part. And so on the next slide we see in the Bible, the promise, what was the big deal? What was the big promise? We read it when we covered Acts in the very beginning. Jesus said, I'm going to go. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. God gave us a nice gift, big bow, wrapped very nicely. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And that big gift, that promise that was coming, that was the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost that we read when we just started here like in October and when we just started going through the Bible. And the Holy Spirit first came down. That was the gift. That was the promise. And it's available to Christians if they want it. To people if they want it. If you're just going to go and live life on your own terms and in your own way, you don't have that promise. It's available, but you never really surrendered to it, so it's not really yours and you can't really operate within it. Now what about this freedom and whole power thing? Well, a couple of verses. Independence Day, we'd start off with, uh, you have set us free from sin in Romans 6. He came to my rescue, right? That was the song. Truly set free. Now, it doesn't mean we're gonna, not going to struggle with sin because we still got these bodies and, uh, you know, we still have that battle going on where our bodies want to do this thing and just crave what it needs and our spirits are like, yeah, I understand that, but we got to be headed this way. I'm always trying to put it in check and so there's that battle that's going on. The good news is, even if that battle rages, your spot in heaven, my spot in heaven is secure. And nobody can take it. Nobody. 
And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. If you read that fast, you missed something huge, monumental, so important, so amazing. You should be dancing, really. It's awesome. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. There's a little bit of power involved there, right? Just a little bit. That same Spirit does it. It's just actually living inside of us. That's amazing and that should be encouraging. But if we stifle it and we stifle the Holy Spirit and we don't really spend time with Him and we don't acknowledge Him and be obedient to what He asks, we may not even really even tap into any of that. And for the most part, our life might feel and look like just a lot of other people's. But that same power that rose Jesus Christ Himself from the dead, wow. Freedom and power. Alright, with all of that, let's close with this. So what? Right? Sounds like we talked a lot about a lot of ideas. Hopefully we got a sentence memorized about what's going on. I think it just leads to a few questions that are absolutely worthwhile to talk about and think about. Have you ever really experienced repentance as we described it today? Should you ask God today? Because it's not good to put it off. Have you ever really seen it as you're actually grieving God, hurting God, that it's actually... You're being polluted by a lot of different things and you don't want that anymore. You actually long to please God on the other end of things that make Him happy. Second part. Are the essentials still unknown or unclear? Now we had that Oprah Winfrey stat that we talked about uh, maybe a couple weeks ago saying how, and I could have the numbers wrong, saying how about uh, a previous stat was given uh, maybe 10 years earlier and it said that about 70% more people were more spiritual slash religious but of that about 70% the majority of them don't belong to any church or synagogue or really anything. And so there's definitely like this foggy thing of just it's vague and they just don't really get it. And so at least in our day and age, essentials being unknown or unclear, I hope, I hope, I hope it's becoming more clear and more known because we are really, really privileged to be in America. We got the internet, we got Bibles, I mean, you, you can take any Bibles, we got books in the back. There is just a plethora of knowledge and information, and at the end of the day, you at least, I hope, have this in your house. And you could read through it. It's not like we have. Living in the you know, 1500s, 1400s, this is in one language and it's just like, I don't even know what it says. It's been translated in our own language. There's a million different kinds of Bibles you can get if you want. We don't have much of a reason to be unclear or unknown about what's going on. We really don't. It's really on us. And if you read through the Bible, some of it, yes, confusing. For the most part, you'd be surprised if you spent some good, distraction-free time 15, 20 minutes a day, get through the whole Bible in a year, you'd be amazed, amazed at what comes out of there and what will clear up and be less muddy, less foggy. Does your life have the power and freedom of the Spirit in it? Right? We touched on that. 
Maybe something inside you maybe tinged a little bit and went off and was like, thank God for that freedom, but I'd like to experience some more power that in my life. Have some more actual victory going on. Have some more, like it says in the Bible, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control, faithfulness. Do you have those in great measure? Are you someone that does not have a short fuse? You know, someone that just could be just naturally patient with people. Um, someone that just could just love just, you know, with people. Do you have that to great measure in your life? There's things in your life that just, they don't have a super powerful hold on you. They might be difficult, but they don't have such a hold on you where you just have to do them or you have to think about them. Something to think about and talk with God about and ask Him about. And then, of course, the last one, which we have coming up soon, would you like to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the right reasons? Actually, knowing what you're getting yourself into. So many people get baptized. I mean, it happens all the time. It's a sacrament. Could have happened while you're younger. I, I don't know what the deal is, but going into it and knowing why you're doing it and what you're expecting from Christ to come out of it, all of a sudden your baptism means a whole lot more. A whole lot more. And real quick, right before I finish, you know, a lot of times this passage is used for, there's a belief out there that there's a phrase called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the belief is that when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, this situation happens and He comes upon you. What has to happen, what has to take place is that then you have to talk in tongues and you should also really be prophesying like it happens right here with these guys that we just read. And a lot of people would say, if you didn't have an experience like that, I don't know if you've really been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And I would say to that, that that is not true. That it says in Corinthians that does all, are all apostles, do all teach, do all speak in tongues, and it's a rhetorical question leading to a no. What it does boil down to is that being baptized by the Holy Spirit and having this happen is being baptized in Jesus' name and having experiences in your life where you just come and you are just overwhelmed with just the power and the presence of God. That is baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that could happen once, that could happen twice, three times, I don't know, we got retreats coming up. There are conferences that happen. It could happen in your living room at 5 o'clock in the morning. God woke me up early a couple days like this week and it's like, man, I want to go to bed. But he had me up and some rich, rich, rich time came out of that. And so don't get steered astray too much by that stuff and don't beat yourself up too much if you're like, oh, I didn't have this experience really or talking tongues like that. Doesn't always happen that way. Doesn't always happen that way. So let's stand. We'll close in prayer. And so hopefully, clarity about Christ's finished work can, C-A-N, it can. doesn't mean it automatically does just because we're human beings, right? We have to be receiving of it. Can secure our promise of freedom and power. And so hopefully put ourselves in that position to really lock that up and really secure that. And so uh, bow your heads and your hearts with me.
And so, God, we, um, we thank you for the second half of the story where it's just not about being repentant and longing to not pollute ourselves with the things of this world, Lord, but it is also the finished work at the cross. You say you're up there, it is finished. And the Holy Spirit, you are here right now, and it says that when we confess and believe in you, you actually come and live inside of us. And so we pray that you would help us to give greater freedom to you in our lives. So sometimes it's just like a still, small, quiet voice. And so with all the noise and all the things that happen in life, it is critical that we set aside that time and just listen and spend time reading through your word, God, and becoming clear and not foggy. Help us not to be guilty of unknown essential things that are out there, Lord God. Help us to know your heart well, Father. And give us the courage and the boldness to when you, Holy Spirit, are guiding us and directing us to take things out of our lives, to bring things into our lives, maybe even to take what we think is a risk sometimes for the sake of you, help us to do it and help us to trust you. And so God, we thank you for this morning, Lord. And we place in your hands and help us to actually go out and try and do this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I pray that you guys uh, have a good week. Again, we got lots of material in the back, so check some of it.